I hear. Hi. Can you not stand I'm with so your back to me? I hate when people are so rude. You stand with your doing? back to someone. You're an interviewer. You push your microphone, ask a question. You ask the question, we give you the answer. And go. You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Thanks for tuning back in. As I record this, I'm just about to leave for London for the My Africa Scarred event. Uh, as this posts, I'll probably be just coming back from London, so hopefully it went well. Hopefully I had some time to interview the event organizer for a future show. And my guest this week is an event organizer from Australia. Uh, Kyla Scrivener is one of the event organizers for the new Australasian United Professional Piercers Organization, AUPP for short. Uh, they just had their, their first public meeting, uh, had people come in to talk about what will membership be, uh, what are our goals, our mission statement, where are we going to, to grow from here. Um, really awesome to see organizations like this coming together. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to see a lot of different organizations really kind of start and strengthen themselves, have different events, uh, LBP and UKAPP, APP in Spain, and Russian organization, and uh, all, all these different people around the world just showing that they, they love body piercing. So a lot of updates for you for what's going on in Australia. Uh, for updates for me for my classes, I've got two confirmed classes that I can announce. I've got Monday, January 20th in Phoenix, Arizona at Wholehearted Piercing, and I've got uh, Monday, February 24th at Blue Star Piercing in Concord, California. That's right in the Bay Area, right near San Francisco, Sacramento. Uh, and those are both going to be my new advanced application of bevel theory classes. And those are going to be held in studios. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to do a, a little bit of live piercing for the attendees that are, that are into that and looking to see some live stuff done or looking to, to get some stuff done. You can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. You can follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook, or you can just kind of cut to the chase, email me at ryanpba at gmail.com, and I can get you set up for those classes. Uh, I've got more that I'll be announcing shortly, but those are the only confirmed ones with, with venues and dates that I've got right now. Uh, but I should be able to have some news about the New Jersey area and lots more coming uh, down the pipeline in, in 2020. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on the intro this week because the interview is a little bit on the longer side. It's around an hour, but it's a really good interview. So let's go ahead and get into that one with Kyla Scrivener from the AUPP. Well, uh, my name is Kyla Scrivener and I work at Sacred Art Body Piercing, which is in Newcastle, Australia. Our shop details are Sacred Art Body Piercing on both Instagram and Facebook and I am Kyla underscore Scrivener on Instagram and you can also follow Safe Piercing underscore AU. We have an Instagram and we've also got a Facebook page now and a website um, which is safepiercing.org.au that you can have a look at as well. So uh, you just had your your first meeting, correct? It, was that like the first gathering of like the full group, um, or what, what was the meeting about? So exciting! Basically? So yes, um, twelve hours ago we had it yesterday. Um, yeah, we did have the AUPP meeting yesterday. That was our first like um, as an organization meeting but last year uh was the first time that uh i was able to get everyone together and kind of communicate on a level where we're starting to think about doing this we're trying to build a community um so technically it was like our second gathering but as an aupp organization it was our first and most serious and also our largest gathering so i think we had about 30 people uh turn up yesterday which was such a solid effort on such a large area that we cover with such a small amount of people that do it at a high level. Um, so I feel like it was really successful and really positive. Yeah, it, it looks it looks like a great group because I've seen a lot of different organizations start up and sometimes it's just, you know, four people having coffee together. So to pull together that much of a group, especially in a country where everybody is so spaced out, you know, it, it must be really difficult difficult geographically just to just to have a meeting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like 
even just to get flights from like Perth over to where we are in Sydney, like across the actual country, like you could fly to America for the same price. Like it's not a cheap feat at all. And yeah, it's definitely a bit of a journey. So to have that many people in one place supporting the same thing so early on, uh, I'm hoping that that's really positive foundations for where we're headed to tell you the truth. Well, organizations, organizations can kind of go one of two ways. They can either be polarizing and elitist and make it seem like, you know, this is our cool kids club and, you know, you're not really welcome. Or they can be, uh, they can be inclusive and they can say, we want everybody. And you can definitely tell what the organization is like based on the response. You know, when you have that many people get together, you can see that there's going to be some inclusivity and you, you want people with different opinions and different experience levels uh, to, to make a healthy organization because it can't just be all one thing because then it's, you know, what, what benefit does it, does it really have for the overall industry? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I'm so glad you said it that way as well because um, it could go either way and it has gone either way previous. So there's been attempts at the same thing um, within the last, you know, 20 to 30 years that the industry has existed in Australia. There's been attempts at it. Um, but the difference this time uh, and for my, like, mentality when it comes to trying to build a movement is you can't do that without inclusivity so um to give you a bit of like a cultural taste of app's kind of receptance over here in australia is we it can kind of sometimes come across as an elitist little club that you want to be a part of because it's so hard to be a part of and um, because of Australia not really being super educated at the moment or modernised within the actual piercing industry, we had to take away the you want to be a part of this club because it's the best and we had to break it down and go, we all want to be a part of this because we all want to do better so that we are moving forward as a community in making sure that our clients are safe and that our workers are safe. So when we started looking at this in early on stages, it was really paramount that we created an environment that was inclusive that was a place that people could have their voices heard and that it was an organization that supported pierces it wasn't we want to be a part of that club it's what can we do for you to make your job and your profession and your lifestyle better and improve it that way um, and I think being able to get everyone in the same place takes away all that kind of BS of tone and online media where you can't really understand someone you get people in the same place they get each other straight away and you know that's I feel has been like the most important part of forming this and being able to move forward as a group is the togetherness and supporting each other and creating such a good strong support network that everyone can kind of move forward and it's not just three or four people doing everything yeah so it feels good well you know it all the things you're saying are exactly what i would want to hear for for an organization starting up because i i was fortunate enough to kind of see uh the uk app go through a lot of their growing pains and i, I hear a lot of similarities uh you know you'd have maybe one side where they'd say uh, it's not doing enough. It, you know, the standards aren't high enough. You know, it's not elite enough. And then you have the other side that says like, well, you know, we're struggling just to even achieve what might be considered a minimum standard. So you, you need to have an organization that can bring those two sides together. You know, the more experienced people helping, like put that hand out to, to kind of lift up all the other people, because when you have a stronger community, um, it, it's just everybody's going to succeed because then you have educated clients who are seeking out higher quality piercings and they're avoiding those like the cheap fashion accessory type places or the, the chain stores that offer $10 piercings or something like that. And, and you have to have a strong organization to change the minds of the customers to drive them into those those studios that care about their safety and care about their health. And it, it takes it takes everyone of all experience levels to make a strong organization. Oh, that's awesome to hear too. And that's, um, I think that's definitely where we're at because uh, Australia is a little bit unique with its piercing industry. The, there's only five studios, I think, in all of Australia that can support APP members. So there's, we are like the 5% when it comes to body piercing in Australia. The rest, like the other 95% are all chain stores, franchises is what we'd call it. That's actually the majority here. And the difference between their quality and industry level versus a high-end studio is 
very large. So you've got like 95% of the industry sitting at this level that isn't safe yet. And then this tiny little pocket up here going, here, you've got to do better. That doesn't really work in the long term and can sometimes create a bit of us versus them mentality. So our goal here, because that is the industry, they are the majority, is can we bridge the gap between us and them and give access to knowledge, learning, training, um, and lift that intellectual bar of like, oh, there's so much more we can do. Here's how you do it. Here's your resources. Here's how you can change your business model from here to here. Trying to kind of open the lid on um, education and knowledge and resources so that hopefully a rising tide rises all ships, you know, like we can all move forward together and having those meetings, it's the first time that franchise people and studio people are getting in the same room and trying to talk about what their world is and how they can make it better in the industry and not just sitting within our own echo chambers of this is what people should do. We want to get a realistic view, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, the other thing that's great about having an in-person meeting too is people get to meet each other as people, not online personas and not just screen names because it, it can... Things can get heated if you leave it all to a Facebook group or a forum or an email chain or something like that. People can get really heated. Um, maybe they're going to be a little bit closed-minded to other people's opinions. But when you have a meeting where you're face-to-face -face with someone and, and people can actually uh, have conversations and say, you know, this is what I would like to do, but this is what I'm working with in my studio. These are my limitations. And then these other people can maybe say, well, you know, we, we've overcome some of those same limitations. Here's how, you know, let's share that information. Uh, but the face-to-face -face angle of it is so crucially important because there's only so much you can do if you just leave it up to the internet. Oh, absolutely. And like, Australians, we suck at tone. Like you read something <laughs> from us and it sounds like we're punching in the face. Like it's the worst. So you can only imagine like this industry that has been so based on the internet because everyone lives so far apart. And even prior to that, like people never spoke. People never talked. People never, ever supported each other because it wasn't really something that um, shop owners did and pierces did, I think, because of the isolation. And last year specifically, I was – just like, no, no, we need to get everyone in so that everyone can meet each other, but also so I can plaster you with a few drinks, get you all warmed up, and then find out that you're all really friends and you actually like each other, you know, and that's exactly what happened. Everyone got a little bit warm and happy and enjoyed each other really well and went, oh, you know what, you guys are pretty good. And from there, it just steamrolled and we've turned it into, you know, uh, it's like a family now. I left yesterday going, oh, I'm sad to see all my humans go, not, oh, that business meeting. Like, it was great. It was fun. And it's such a positive kind of little support network for everyone, I think. Um, so, yeah, super exciting things. <laughs> I think a lot of people take the concept of fellowship for granted when it comes to something like this. You know, you can feel part of a community going to the APP conference in Vegas or being on some of those forums. And, you know, sometimes you get this kind of, like you said, echo chamber kind of tunnel vision where you think like, okay, this this is all there is, um, but you don't see reality of it. So when you can actually hang out and be friends with someone, know their real life name and, you know, just, just kind of hang out as people, it, it really makes a huge difference because it makes lasting connections and it makes lasting impacts and, and it makes it much easier for those piercers who maybe haven't had as many opportunities to reach out and, and ask questions or maybe try to you know, get advice on how to get in new jewelry or, hey, can I come shadow, stuff like that. And, it, you know, and it never really would happen without those face-to-face -face interactions. So like, just just the fact that you can organize a meeting like that and put it together is going to have a, a huge benefit to the, the industry, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. And I encourage anyone that's trying to do this. Um, I feel like if you just focus more so on building that fellowship, as you say, and connecting humans one-to-one -one first before you start trying to tell them what to do or where to go or how they need to change their business, maybe just getting people all on the same page so that you all have a common ground and a common goal makes it so much easier. But it also, like, uh, as a positive ripple effect of, like, now you've got a community, now you've got a basis and a support network, there's benefits that really, really help. Like, um, one of the biggest things that came out of this prior to even AUPP being formed um, is 
like the jewellery drought of 2018, 2019, you know, it's been the waiting times blew out and it got pretty hard to be a business getting jewellery. Not only that, but being an international business importing jewellery, um, things got really hard for a lot of shops during that and a lot of small businesses were really heavily affected over here by those waiting times to the point where everyone was supporting each other was sharing jewellery until orders could get in. So we found that on this like little support network, your business is suffering, you're a good friend of mine, I like what you're doing, maybe we can get you some jewellery out there to get you through this, you need this. So it was like you really started to see people's true colours in that it's no longer us versus them. It's like, oh, we all got to do this because we're all sharing and we're all moving forward and we all want to see each other thrive, you know, which was – um, a really peculiar but wonderful little side effect of that kind of movement, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I hear a lot of I hear a lot of great similarities between what you're doing and, and what the UK EPP has done and is is still doing because when they started, uh, pretty adversarial, people saying, you know, why do I need to be involved? I'm doing just fine. I've been in business for ten years and look at me, I'm I'm doing great. But then when they started having those meetups and then when it turned into a conference and then it turned into now there are you know jewelry distributors for for the UK and and all these different things uh it really did make a huge impact and now you have more people who are successful and thriving and operating at the level that they've always wanted to operate at and jewelry is such a huge component of that trading jewelry uh pooling up for for jewelry orders if you have to deal with uh, import taxes or, or shipping or things like that it, it can really help when you have a community of people that want to support you um but it also just like it, it gives you a li that little bit of validation where it's like you know i'm i'm doing things right you know these my colleagues they're doing the same kind of thing we're all kind of on the same page we're all moving up together and it's it's not adversarial you know you can refer people to another shop if you don't have something or you can contact another right. shop and say hey can i get some some backings or hey do you have this end piece in stock one of my clients would would really like one so it's it's great to have that aspect of the community forming and, and strengthening oh absolutely and you know what um cherry core uh, Cherry from Cherry Core Body Mod, she put it really perfectly and she was like, the the relationship between these businesses is an ecosystem. Like we're all offering different things and we all work together and if we continue to flourish within this ecosystem, like everyone kind of benefits. And I really liked that idea that if you don't have it, you can push it on this way or if someone needs help, you can bring it that way. Um, and I think that's really what's helped a lot of these small businesses continue to flourish is just being able to lean on and have support and not be so isolated also as a small business owner, not only just as employees, but like it's a niche business. It's a hard business. And you can talk to other people outside of the piercing industry to kind of gain some kind of knowledge, but really they're not going to understand it at the depth as another shop owner. So bringing people together like that and getting them all um, open with their resources, their sharing and their learning uh, is just beneficial to everyone. It also allows, though, that whole uh, you need to do better. We kind of approach that like trying to help people's standards with a soft access to knowledge like, hey, you don't have to do this, this and this because you're shit. We don't want to say that to someone who's put their heart and soul into a business. You want to go, hey, Here's the things that you're doing that we could help you improve. Here is access to where you get your sterile gloves, your needles, your jewellery, this. This is how we transfer this sterilisation room. Like being able to not only go, hey, you can do better, but here's how you do better and here's what we've done before has helped immensely. I find that people are more apt for change when you're not bringing them down, but instead putting kind of fertilizer into their roots, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. I mean, when, when you can remove that adversarial component, uh, it's it's really disarming and, and people start to see like, okay, you're not trying to get something out of me. You're not just doing this because you want to try to cheat me out of membership dues or trick me into buying jewelry that, that you are trying to sell me, something like that. When you just give people access to information, it really shows that it's like, oh, you just you just care, you know, and you just want yeah. everyone to be better and that it's, it's public access information. I, I, again, I saw a lot of that with the UK EPP where it was like, 
well, you know, why is it important? And then when they they got that education out there uh, to show, like, well, this is why it's important, you know. And then people started to get their minds changed, uh, and it's just been hugely beneficial. I've seen the UK APP grow so much in just a few years, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if the same thing happened for the AUPP. Oh, that would be magic. And, like, the UK APP is definitely one of the models that we've based a lot of what we're trying to do off and just watching them form and seeing what worked for them and also how that that kind of uh, trajectory can be utilised for ours um, has helped immensely. But, um, yeah, it's, it's positive, positive moving forward and very exciting for um, Australia seeing as we aren't – we're not modern in any way. We're still moving forward um, rapidly right now and trying to get everyone kind of on the same page. But at least if we've got a beacon like AUPP, um, it helps, uh, you know, keep that kind of vision clear. And, yeah, I just want to help people. I just want to make it easier for the pierces that come after me. That's the goal. Like if someone can do what I did to get to APP and be able to connect and work at shops that are high quality, that's a really – getting a position like that in Australia and being an APP member is like winning American Idol. Like you just don't. People just don't. And it sucks because it kind of bottlenecks the industry um, from this large oversaturated group of medium level pierces to this tiny little stream of oh there's only 18 spots in Australia that are actually going to be a high quality studio and you have to fight for it that's bullshit I'm not about it I think we need to open up those floodgates give people access to everything they would need to do it on their own and not rely on another studio and change their own business models that way the industry is widening flourishing and customers have more access to safer practices overall you know like let's try and change that tiny little core and that ripple effect will hopefully come out and help everyone right right do, do you run into the problem that i i see every country every organization every market always has the same kind of thing where, where piercers are very uh they're they're very nervous to take the plunge to make investments in their shop because they they can they convince themselves that what I have now is the best I can ever get. You know, uh, customers won't pay 20% more, 50% more for something. Even though, like, no matter where you live, there's always going to be someone that wants high quality. You know, whether it's the food they eat or the car they drive or their nails or their hair or other luxury items or something like that. People always want quality and they're, they're willing to pay for it as long as you can kind of explain where the, the value part comes in. So... What's the what's the market like in Australia? How do clients respond to the price point for for high quality piercing? It is that's a fantastic question too because it's ridiculous and hilarious at the same time because there's this like cultural attitude that also comes with it which is like oh she'll be right and she'll be right means like ah oh, just chuck her in it'll be okay and mm -hmm. <laughs> really like not conducive to piercing in any way right. so you've got like. $5 and $15 piercings at franchises while people are being trained. And you can guarantee, like, within a radius of 50 kilometers, you've got about 15 shops that are doing that, you know. Like, it's completely oversaturated with low-end, low-price, um, bang-for-your-buck McDonald's version piercing. And being able to convert that lower demographic there to, hey, you know what, this piercing is going to be $100, like procedure fee plus jewelry, and you're used to paying $15, um, that conversion is really hard. If you are trying to go for those same kind of customer demographics, I don't think you'd succeed as well. When you do transition from a lower to a higher end, you have to actually change your customer demographic. You can't be shooting for those guys anymore. If you want to be inclusive and try and have a really wide range of customers that you deal with, good, awesome. But here, I think you need to really kind of figure out who you want to sell to and who you want coming in and what you want them buying. So we don't deal with it anymore at our studio because Sacred Art is known for being a boutique shop and a piercing-only shop, and you go there to get your gold, and customers just know that because we build that rapport with them. But transitioning, and a lot of us have been through that. I used to have shitty jewellery, and now I've got good jewellery, and I've got to start doing the educational spiel. If you're honest with your clients here, um, they are receptive. You've got to give them the right points first. So it's a constant educational process, which you guys would be used to as well. But it's using those keywords like 
um, the implant grade stuff and we're importing jewellery because Australian standards are so low and unethical and slave labour and all that kind of magic and sterility is high because there's no legislation here, making sure that you know your trigger points to say to people um, and being transparent as to like this costs more because of X, Y and Z. The culture aspect of you telling the truth often will buy someone over. Often you can go, yeah, we're definitely 100% more expensive because of this, 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 and this. And then they kind of go, oh, oh. And once you start kind of discussing that there are no laws and legislation, and I usually turn around to a client and say, you know what, you could open up a piercing studio tomorrow and no one's going to stop you and best of luck to you. They go, oh, oh, I thought it was professional. I thought you were trained. I thought you were this and that because of the government. No, not at all. And once you start kind of lifting the lid off the what is actually happening, people jump over pretty quick because you know, you're wounding them and they want to make sure it's a safe wound most of the time. So, yeah, it's a weird climate and it's a hard climate, but it forces you to really refine your sales techniques and your understanding of what you're selling and being passionate about what you're selling. People are really responsive to that. Sure, sure. I mean, that, that's a great that's a great way to think about it too. Um, you know, not to keep bringing up the UK, but I see so many similarities because when I would go to those, uh, first conferences, they would have, they would have classes just kind of like that sort of beginner information of, um, we know that you've been working with stuff that we probably wouldn't consider ideal now. Uh, you know, if you want to start moving into this other stuff, it's a big jump in price and you need to know how to market yourself. You need to know how to talk to clients. You need to know how to bring new clients through the door that aren't going to get sticker shock or aren't going to be offended by or by paying for a safe piercing. Uh, and I think it, it does hold some piercers back when they convince themselves that, well, it can't be done in my town because there's there there are five or ten shops within 20 minutes that all still do 10 and 15 dollar piercings but the the best way to look at it is look at that as such an opportunity all mm -hmm. the other shops do the exact same thing no one does the high quality service in your area you can own the entire market you just have to learn the new skill like just like you've learned how to push the needle use the sterilizer, all those different skills that you already have as a business person, all you need to do is learn this new skill set. And then you can unlock all these extra doors, bring in all this new clientele, and you can really own your market. So um, I love to see that kind of mentality that you're that you're talking about. It's I don't like to see a defeatist kind of thing where people think like, well, I'm I'm stuck in this and I'm never going to be able to get out of it. And it's like, look at Look at all the piercers in the United States just in the last couple of years with the explosion of APP membership. Look at the UK APP. Look at Russia. Look at all the different markets out there where they probably convinced themselves a few years ago that it could never happen. It could never be done. And now they're all thriving and succeeding. And I, I could really easily see the same thing happening in Australia. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly it. And you're spot on. It's all about like uh, if you look at it with a business brain, there's five studios in Australia that have tapped into this, you know, put their finger on the vein of high-end, high-quality and supporting APP members, and they're killing it. They're thriving. There's only five studios. The country is so large. There is nothing stopping you going, you know what, I don't want to work harder and do 80 piercings at 15 bucks a day and keep slaving away. Screw that. Why don't we jump to the next tier of customer and start introducing it that way? I want to do a few piercings that are really comfortable, that are really expensive and not feel burnt out at the end of the day. Just change the business model. Um, but doing that for people is scary. Totally sure. understand that. Um, and, you you know, we're trying to sell a business model to these guys that are converting. That is harder. I won't lie. It's much harder to import stuff in. And, yeah, you're going to be paying more money. But your profit margins are larger. Therefore, you're working less and getting more cash just if you are able to understand who you're selling to, why you're selling what you're selling, and reflecting that ethos in your actual shop and how you dress and how you present yourself. So, like... Um, like to use Sacred Art, for example, when Mick took over Sacred Art, um, he decided that I want to sell just to, say, 16 to 45-year-old women and I just want to put gold jewellery into nice ear piercings. How do we create an environment that facilitates that kind of customer demographic? So he's gone into making a boutique. So the front of our studio is not 
a piercing studio. It's more like coming into a jeweler's, so like fresh flowers and chandeliers and music that is for these ladies, but also smell, atmosphere, presentation, how we speak. We had to, he kind of created an environment that his mum would be happy to come into. So understanding who you're selling to and making that a space for them is a really easy way to kind of convert over from, oh, we're just pumping out piercings and this is just a piercing shop. Give people an experience. Separate your business model from all of the thousand other shops. Tap into that need and kind of play to your strengths. And it works so well um, that we're like, bugger it, just give everyone kind of how you can do it. Here's all the access to everything you do. Take all of these little foundations and now make it your own. Like, you've got access to all of this now, run with it. Um, and I'm hoping that, like you said, it does continue to flourish. We've been seeing it slowly happen just even within the last – so the Australasian Piercing Forum has been around for about three years, and we've seen – a. I think it's gone from, like, we had five APP members and now we've got 18 in three years. So there's growth. Things are happening in growth. So hopefully – this will also help spur that and we'll see this rise across the board, which would be really lovely. Sure, sure. For the for the people listening, if they don't understand, and, and maybe even just to clarify to me, so when you say Australasian, uh, obviously Australia would be part of that. Um, would it also be like Tasmania, New Zealand? New Zealand. Like what would be the markets yeah. included in that? It's more so focusing at the moment on New Zealand and Australia, and Tasmania is a part of Australia. So okay. we don't like to say that, but sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's it mainly at the moment, um, just because Eden is our, our human from over there, so we got to include that lovely little cherub. Um, but yeah, that's what we're covering. And at the moment, I don't know if that'll change potentially because there are a lot of people over in New Zealand that are untapped over there that are doing um, trying to convert. So we'll see if it... Uh, evolves but that's what it is at the moment yeah so when it comes to the the meeting that you had um mm. were, you, were you discussing uh, membership standards or because I, I remember there was a conversation in one of the forums where you were kind of talking <laughs> about where do we start and there was maybe that yep. that same kind of poll where some people might say it's too strict and other people saying it's not strict enough so what what are some of the the membership uh the membership standards you're, you're honing in on Oh, that's awesome. So that's exactly what we were doing. We were getting everyone together because we'd done um, – Joel and Daniel had kind of smashed out this little first draft of like, let's get what's in our brains out onto paper. This is ideally the most perfect thing that I can see that works for me and my kind of view of where we're going to go. So those guys kind of smashed that out quickly and we put it up on the forum and just went, hey, pull it apart. Like everything that you as an industry can or can't do or does or does not work, let's start kind of discussing how we can apply this to our cultural climate. And using that and the UK APP standards and the APP standards kind of like gave access to everyone, all of that kind of information there for everyone and um, got notes back as to what was important and what wasn't. So when we met yesterday, um, it was also to facilitate not having it get too heated because I think people are passionate and passion can get taken for heat and aggression. So it takes that, like, puts the tone back into what we're talking about, getting people together to go, this is what works for my shop, this doesn't work, X, Y, Z. Um, it was so much easier. Basically, we just pulled up all the APP membership stuff um, and what was required there and our first draft, which was different membership tiers, and just went, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. Um, and yesterday we were able to form kind of it's, – it's very close to the APP membership level tiers. It's very close to that. Um, it's a little bit more inclusive in some instances just for suggestions um, but it's not as inclusive as UK APP. I think we sit just between those two when it comes to inclusivity and what you expect from members. Um, but we also mentor the people through becoming a member as well. So even though we have membership requirements, we're working hard with people to make it really easy to reach those requirements so that it shouldn't be such a hurdle. 
Sure, sure. I mean, that's that's a great way to look at it because what's the point of having an organization that only has five members or ten members? Like you want you want a healthy member base that can that can grow over time. You know, nobody expects you to have the, a tidal wave of people on day one, but uh, you want to make yeah. it you want to make it an achievable goal. You don't want to make it an, an obstacle where people look at the membership requirements and say, well, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do that. And and having people, something akin to like a membership committee that, that helps to guide them through the process or can give them advice and say like, well, if you're struggling with your environment or if you're struggling with jewelry, if you're struggling with any of these things, like we're here to help you and, and share from experience because a stronger organization is probably the ideal goal of, of everyone involved. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And by like, like I don't know if you remember, like becoming an APP member and uh, trying to do all those changes in the studio and whatnot, like that procedure manual and that like step-by-step, this is what you need to do, is can be very overwhelming, super overwhelming. And a lot of people here aren't APP members, more so to do with like they can't interpret the literature enough to be able to convert because they think automatically, oh, no, it's APP, it's too hard. When in reality, it's far from the truth. It's just having someone who's done it before that has interpreted it. And that's what I've got to give huge kudos to Mick Swanover is he is like an absolute wizard with understanding how to change your room from A to B just by this, this, and this, you know, and having access to that for someone that's trying to convert can take a lot of the stress and paranoia and gambling out of what you're trying to do here. Like if we can kind of bridge that gap a little bit and help interpret it, it's, it's done wonders. Um, and even like we did a count yesterday, I think we're sitting at 97 members. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Already in the Australasian group. Um, and there's two tiers at the moment. So we've got 32 who are practicing, which are like your equivalent to being an APP member. And mm-hmm. then we've got 65 like supporting members or general members, which are people that are part of it and are transitioning. So it's moving quick for sure. Um, but yeah, yesterday was kind of like, all right, uh, got the cart before the horse. We've got to slow this down now and we've got to really build some serious foundations so that we understand where we're moving forward as a group. Sure. But I mean, it's smart. It's smart to know that, you know, because I've seen I've seen organizations fail because they try to do too much too fast. They they don't have uh, they don't have the support of the community. Maybe they have like a, a couple of friends that get together and think like, oh, you know, obviously we can do this. We can make our standards imposed upon the rest of the community. But um, doing it organically, having a forum, whether it's physical or digital, where you're, you're, you're open to feedback, you're open to people asking questions and giving information. And, uh, it, I see like just a lot of really good things. It, it seems really positive and I, I'm excited to see what comes next. Oh, yay. I'm glad that's how it comes across as well, because that's certainly what we're trying to do. Even when, um, even forming the Australasian Forum, which is prior to the AUPP, like when Mick and I formed that, the goal was to get everyone together and get everyone on the same page so that we can all work together. But one of the main things that was a part of that was you could not be a jerk on that forum. Like I was not having a bar of it. I get that some people learn or progress by getting yelled at. Um, I don't anymore because I'm an adult woman and I don't need that. So I'm going to make an environment where if you ask a question, it ain't dumb. You're not going to get ripped apart. It's safe. You can ask and talk as you like. And I think that helped the forum immensely was putting in parameters of like, if you're going to give back uh, critiques or criticism or any like that, it's not that we don't want people to get butt hurt. It's that for us to build a community, people have to get along. You're not going to get along if some dude just said some crap about your photo. Like, it just breaks down those little relationship photo uh, barriers. So let's all be inclusive. Let's all be really nice and, you know, create a little hippie circle and hold hands. And it worked. It totally <laughs> worked. So everyone got along really well and it helped bridge a lot of fractured relationships that had lasted 10, 20 years. Getting those people in the same room at the same table talking about the same stuff that's healing people are healing it's awesome so yeah. uh, i'm glad that the positive comes across because that was like a big backbone to this was inclusive positive we're all together and we're moving forward um and if you step outside of that then i'm gonna smack you and that was it <laughs> <laughs> well somebody somebody has to be the taskmaster too 
That's right. We've got to glue people together. And sometimes you've got to roust these guys because they need wrangling. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you also need you also need to motivate people. And sometimes you need to kind of snap them out of it where they might be a really skilled piercer who's been at it a long time, but maybe they're not they're not kind of seeing outside of their own realm. And you have to say, all right, you know, you can push a needle skillfully, but the jewelry you're installing in people is unsafe. You know, the sterilizers that you're using are, are not appropriate. The, you know, your your environmental setup could really use a lot of work. But being able to um, soften that and kind of present it in a way where people can hear it rather than just feeling attacked. Uh, like, you, you can't say enough good things about an environment like that. So being able to pull people together is great. Um, having leadership that that's strong but not so strong that it becomes like a cult uh th those are all just that alone uh, those are huge huge steps huge steps yeah i'm hoping to turn it into a cult yet just wait I'm well, keep your fingers crossed <laughs> yeah at the next meeting everybody has to wear these robes everybody take a candle <laughs> Oh, mom's going to be so proud of me being a cult leader. She will be stoked. <laughs> <laughs> so any any but, plans in the future for um, uh, maybe like an educational conference or, or future meetings or anything? You know what? It's so funny that um, like I just organized this and the last word of the day yesterday was like, when are we doing this again? When? Sure. Like we need to time this. So people are in and down for it. So Oh, ideally it depends on how quickly I want to fade away or not into putting effort into it, but I think it'll be maybe within the next 12 months we will look at obviously doing another meeting um, and getting everyone together uh, to discuss it further and take this further as well. But I would like to have some kind of learning conference. That would be really lovely. Um Logistically, it's trickier here, I think, because people come from so far and there are so few. Uh, so it'll either be something like that or potentially just getting people out of here and getting them to tour around um, or hosting little like learning seminars. But that's the goal. The next goal is once we're finished kind of understanding what our ethos is and getting the membership in stone and making sure that people um, – really get what the AUPP is about, uh, facilitating some kind of learning conference would be ideal, very ideal, and people are begging for it. So, yeah, it's soon to come, I think. That's great. That's great. You know, I can always see, like, the um, the Australian piercers coming to conference and everything, but it's definitely a small number. You know, maybe there'll be a, a handful, five or six or something that are, that are there, and I always really respect uh, just the effort to get there because I would imagine the flights are crazy expensive and then having to pay for the hotel and, and all those costs on top of it. So being able to have some sort of a, a local education system, even if it's just casual meetups, even if it's just, you know, even forum support or shadowing, all that stuff can be hugely beneficial. That's it. And hopefully from that, the ripple effect would be that more people would be going over to APP because they see the wealth of the, you know, knowledge that you can get from conferences. But um, it's also good for us to be able to do a version of it because a lot of the stuff that's spoken about at APP isn't really translatable to Australian piercing climates, you know. And a lot of the pierces, like I said, you're only seeing a few pierces go over to APP because there's only a few people that actually know about it over to conference. Whereas here, like, if we were to start a hub where people were to do it on an Australasian kind of scale, I think you're going to then see in turn more people go over to the States version as well. So, yeah, even just like the business stuff and the currency and the importing and the wholesaling, like all of that stuff there, we could do that here and um, help businesses. So, yeah, I think you'll be seeing a bit of that within the next 12 months, hopefully. That's great. What what are some of the other differences like when it when it comes to the the Australian or the New Zealand market? Like what are some some differences that you could point out? Mm, I think more so the importing. That's a huge part. Like, do you have like a do you have like an import tax or a value added tax? Yeah, yeah. So you have to pay customs here. You have to pay shipping. Then you have to convert the currency as well. So like. If you're buying a $1,000 order, you got to keep it under 1000 bucks AU because it goes over $1,000 AU. You're going to get hit at the border for customs tax, and customs tax is like, I don't know, I think it's like 13% or something like that of that. So you have to pay that plus the processing fees plus 200 bucks to get it posted over. Um, wow. And then once you get it here, yeah. And then our dollar is like, our dollar is 69 cents to your dollar. So then we have to convert the jewelry as well 
then put it up into a wholesale. Hope that the jewellery is correct and that you don't have to wait another two to four weeks to send it back and then get another one. That as well. And, yeah, it's it's, (laughs) – and then I put a list of businesses and be like, you know what, you want in on this. You want to buy in. This is great. But once you kind of do all of that and get the cash, the the jewellery in and you've paid all that money to get it in, you know, that's that's a huge difference. I think – a lot of like, don't take it for granted that you got these companies in your actual country and able to just call up and go, "Hey, I, I, I oh, know, <laughs> I know how fortunate and how privileged I am to just be an, an American piercer because I've seen it everywhere else in the world. You know the struggles that they have to just to get like basic jewelry, like something that I would not look down my nose at, but if I if somebody was just like, oh yeah, you know some some plain captive bead rings, some plain seam rings, not even gold, you know, just talking titanium or something, I'd be like, yeah, I can get that incredibly easy from like six different companies and it can be here relatively quickly. And other people are like struggling because it's like you got to wait weeks or months for it to Mm -hmm. actually get shipped. You have to pay so much for it to get shipped. You have to pay the import tax and then you have to convert it to your local currency. And then you have to hope that somebody is going to buy the damn thing. (laughs) <laughs> and that's like that's exactly it plus the added waiting times like um you know for example at a point there uh one of the companies was at only at like 12 weeks i feel like 12 weeks is like was a standard between 2018 and 2019 of like 12 weeks you're good like it's not 20 weeks so we're okay like right. you're ordering jewelry for customers custom ordered jewelry for customers you know and going oh it's going to be here in 12 weeks and we're going to get it into the country and or, you know, all of those added expenses. And then after that, hope that it's all right so that you're not sending it all the way back. And you're trying to sell this to customers as well. I'm trying to go, you want to buy this even though it's going to take four months to be here. You want to buy this. Totally altered the whole selling technique even. Like I um, – there was a good while there where I was selling these custom-made gold pieces and people were putting down deposits and leaving with nothing. And – That was all by going, hey, like, it's a great brand. Yes, it takes ages. We're outsourcing it because of X, Y, Z. You want to stay with them because of X, Y, Z. And you know what? If you put money on it now, you'll be able to pay it off over those 12 weeks and turned that kind of like, hey, this really sucks that it's 12 weeks and you've got to wait into a, you know what? A $1,000 ring turns into a $100 ring and you start just paying it each week. Like, we have to alter our sales techniques to counteract these um, international issues when it comes to ordering jewelry and it comes to dealing with that. Um, and honestly, if I could like maybe give any kind of insight for jewelry companies, I think they need someone that is wholly and solely 100% hired and dedicated to communication between businesses and international, um, like between them and international businesses, like communication breakdowns are so large in international ordering it is horrible that there's always mistakes there's always things that are wrong and we're trying to push a company's jewelry and say they're great and then have things turn up not correct or not right or not understanding it just makes it so much harder to push good quality stuff and to put customers trust in their brand not in us, in their brand. So if they were to get someone that was 100% just dedicated to having the best communication of this is your order, this is what you've got, we're about to ship, can we charge your stuff, it has been sent. Just that tiny change I think would facilitate so much more growth internationally, not just being American-based. Like they're going to kill it if they can have people that are at the forefront. And there's definitely people, which I've got to give a shout-out to Jill Martin from BBLA. That lady slays it. She knows how to communicate. She understands that we need to be really, really, really touching base often on these orders to make sure everything's right. Um, and that's the, the biggest thing that I think would help in that regard. I would I would love to... Okay, maybe, maybe I'll phrase it differently. I wouldn't love to imagine that that's just an international problem, uh, but sadly, it is, it is not, because uh, being oh. in the U.S., it's still a, a huge communication problem. Some, some companies are, are much better than others, and I, mm-hmm. I will agree with uh, Jill Martin being a fabulous person over at, at BVLA. Uh, but sometimes with a company, you can email and you get nothing. You can call and you mm-hmm. get nothing. You leave a message, mm-hmm. nothing. And then days go by, and you're like, I, I'm just trying to give you my money, you know, like, please just yeah. respond. I have a question and I can't order until this question is answered or, 
Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> let's say you, you, you get an order in and you're like, yo, this is great looking jewelry, but it's not what I ordered. It's the wrong size or the wrong color or something yeah. like that. And then trying to jump through the hoops of, like, please answer the phone. Please respond to my email. God, that can be so frustrating sometimes. I can only imagine how much more frustrating it would get if you are an international piercer who's had those things magnified because of extra weights or extra money. That's it, yeah. And it's uh, to hear that it's widespread, like if we could just get someone to get really good at the emails, that'd be really awesome. <laughs> that <would help. laughs> I, I, I cut these, I cut these companies a lot of slack because over the last just couple of years, they've all exploded. And like, I can't imagine what it's like oh, no. keeping up with that demand. But at the same time, you know, you have a whole industry out here that's, that's trying to help you pay those, those loans and helping you pay those, those staff members and all that stuff. Just, just tell us what you need and just tell us, just tell us what's going on with, with our order, especially when you have to wait three months, five months or something like that. When you don't get a lot, when you don't get any sort of communication during that time, it's yeah. like, it, it definitely softens your brand loyalty where you start thinking yeah. like, okay, well, who else is going to answer the phone? Who else is going to answer my email? And maybe I'll, I'll send my money their way. That's exactly it. And that's, I think it's important to recognize the struggles the jewelry companies have gone through because they've had a hard slog. Like they didn't choose. They're not like, oh, today I've woken up and I want to take 20 weeks to get something. Hell no, we understand that. That sucks. Sure. We're good, but bad, you know. But um, when those blowouts happen, it's so paramount that you're talking to your clients. It's so paramount that you're talking to your people. Like I'm not going to do a body piercing and not talk to that person from start to finish between the piercing. Like, you need to know. We need to understand. Otherwise, you're just kind of flapping in the wind in limbo, hoping and praying that this thing's going to be here and it's going to be right. So, um, yeah, if the, even if not necessarily had international liaisons that were specifically international liaisons, but just having some kind of um, modern communication set up where the back and forth thing isn't happening and people are actually just answering phones and stuff, yeah, I sure. think – think it helps heaps but that's probably the biggest thing the biggest like hurdle when it comes to the australasian market versus you know american would be the jewelry that's the big thing getting it in um because we're sourcing all of that it's an import-based business um which is tricky sure yeah what what about any other materials like how how is it when it comes to things like you know, high-end sterilizers or skin disinfectant or surface disinfectant, sterile gloves. Like, what's it like with the accessibility on those things? We're lucky with that regard because there's some really good big brands in Australia that facilitate both, like, um, hospitals and nurses and doctors and stuff like that. So they give us access to all that kind of jazz. Um, and one of the things we were doing on the Australasian Forum was every time someone found something that was awesome, like, oh, we found these sterile gloves that are cheaper than this, uh, put them up on the forum so that everyone has access to it. So um, thankfully, like sundries and anything that's disposable and statums and, oh, we have to, uh, some people will buy statums from the States, but it's pretty expensive, like shipping and stuff. A lot of us, like a lot of dentists and stuff around here will use them. So you tend to be able to find them and source them here. We have to bring in, um, a lot of people get Brian Skelly stuff. So that's probably mm -hmm. it, the import stuff there as well. But thankfully, like the sundries and whatnot, that's all really good. We can use all of that. Uh, we do import needles. A lot of people import the IS blades as well, but mm -hmm. like they're cheap lights, so that's totally fine. It's more just importing jewelry um, and skills, workers. Again, with that like oversaturation of mid-level to low-level pierces, and then this tiny little like bubble of us eighteen high-end APP member pierces, like. You do tend to find people like to jump over from the states here often because the workforce is uh, kind of inaccessible um, sure. unless you want to take someone from that lower rung and train them up. Um, yeah, that would be the other hurdle is workforce and employees. Yeah, I can I can see that gap, you know, um, where people might have experience, like they might have done hundreds or thousands of piercings. But if they don't understand any technique that goes into it, you know, if it's something like Brian Skelly refers to it as tailoring, basically, you know, it's just like sewing some fabric. It's just the needle goes from point A to point B and you don't really think a lot about what happens on the way. Um, those piercers can be a little bit difficult because it's like they, they might have learned so many bad habits that it, it might actually just be easier to start from scratch or to just 
you know, import someone, hire someone, bring someone in as a mm. as a mm. guest artist or something like that. So I'd, I'd imagine the workforce can be pretty challenging too. What's it like when it comes to um, counter staff? It, do do you have decent luck with with counter staff to be able to train them up? Mm, you know what? I think just off the top of my head, I think I think Joel has counter staff. Duncan, piercing urge, maybe piercing HQ. So. I think there's maybe four studios that have like designated counter staff and then the rest of us uh, multitask. So uh, big small businesses, a lot of people just can't support a third wage like that, even though like the value is good, having your front of house, having your face, you know, greeting your customers and whatnot, um, important, but not a very common uh, position that you see over here. A lot of pierces double as their own counter staff. Um, purely to save on wage um, yeah really it's so you don't see that trend you know the transition between like counter staff sometimes apprentice and piercer you know that movement through you don't see that often either hmm yeah I, that's again the word it goes back to American privilege uh, so many shops here have counter staff but that's because we don't have the added costs that that a lot mm-hmm. of other international markets might have same kind of thing with with UK, you know, like I, it was a totally different industry maybe five years ago, and now seeing all those people growing and all the new job opportunities and all the jewelry and all that stuff. So uh, I definitely have a, a lot of hope, and I, I think it really just goes down to educate everybody. Uh, hopefully, they'll make the decision to to want to step up and and try to grow that that market for everybody. And then maybe five years from now, it'll it'll be a totally different market for you too. Oh, I totally will. And that's just like lifting the lid off this like access to education because being in Australia, like from my experience, was completely isolating as a piercer. Like there was no access to any kind of knowledge other than like you had your piercing Bible and your BMLF if you were allowed on BMLF at that time because it was hard to even have access to that or and then BME. Like there was a lot of self-learning and like a good chunk of piercers here have just self-learned. Apprenticeships are very rare. I think there's maybe, like, I could think of two apprentices right now. Out of all of the pieces I know, there's two apprentices that I know of. So it's a very rare, rare position here as well. Um, so hopefully by just giving people more access to that knowledge but also more access to these pieces, like networking, you know, um, I, I hope that that helps lift the like floodgates a little bit and we see more people flourish but um there's two different modes of thought there too because i think um joel was speaking about yesterday at the meeting that he prefers not to um take people from franchises often because he finds that he can't um, get them to unlearn skills as easily um whereas i'm of a different school of thought because i came from a franchise um and i understand that skill is one thing but character can form a lot you know you are able to unlearn and learn things if you're willing to you just got to pick the people that have the character and the resilience to be a piercer the skills can be taught the character can't so giving access to people uh giving knowledge access to these people that will pluck out the people that want to push, the people that want to thrive, the people that want to go further um, are the people that choose to do that and um, usually have strong will or strong character to do it. And I think um, hopefully the result of all this will be exactly that. You'll end up seeing these new pierces come out of these middle and lower end tiers that are starting to make it on their own and do it on their own because they've got access to all of this knowledge and all around we get better, you know. Um, I think at the moment too, just in reflection, I think half of the APP members or nearly half of the APP members in Australia all um, started in franchises. Yeah, I mean, that's such a great way. That's such a such a great and positive way to think about it because, uh, again, you know, I'll bring up the UK APP. You know, I, I can mm-hmm. think of at least a dozen piercers where they started in a similar kind of thing. They started in a, uh, a quick get them in, get them out, low ticket fashion kind of piercing establishment. And then they saw this, this wide world of what was out there, you know, and the, the UK APP brought them education and brought them access and brought them jewelry companies and all these different things. And then they, those people put in their hard work. And when they had mm-hmm. access to all those different resources, uh, they all shined. And now they have, 
these fantastic businesses and they're just growing mm. with all this amazing jewelry and, and they're, they're living the, the piercer lives that they always wanted to live. And it, it was really just as simple as give them the resources and, and let those people create their own success. That's it. Teach a man to fish, you know, like that's all you got to do. Let them create what they want to create out of it. You can just plant some seeds that they can have access to, you know. Um, and if that, like it was hard, it was really hard going from A to B. I'm not going to lie, like the eight year slog to get from a franchise piercing that was pumping out 80 to 150 piercings a day with crappy jewelry. Um, and then to like this level now um, was very self-driven and very like I had to really dig for resource and beg to learn and go out of my way to travel to shadow people and stuff like that to really get that way and I don't I find that that might be a large reason as to why there's a giant kind of turnover of pierces stopping and not low not continuing with the career whether it be a few years in or once they hit like 30 so um hopefully hopefully this will make that path a lot clearer and a lot easier for people, which in turn would hopefully retain a larger amount of pierces and get us a more professional, experienced pool group because people seem to drop out before they get to that APP kind of level. Sure, sure. Well, I think some people, once they once they open that door and they see uh, you know, how, how high up that staircase goes, not everybody wants to make that climb. Uh, some mm. people love it. Some people love it and it's their life goal and it's their life dream and it doesn't matter how many stairs they're going to keep climbing. But some people, mm. they, they get into it and they're like, yeah, you know what? I'd rather just go back to just doing the simple, <laughs> the simple stuff and not have to, you know, deal with importing and all this, all this other stuff. It's so much easier. I totally get why they don't want to. Like it comes down to ethics. Like, you know what, you can make a heap of cash and cheap jewellery. We all know the profit margins are large and we all know that you don't have to import it or whatnot. So you can make a lot of cash being low quality, but you got to sleep at night knowing that you sure. hurt someone in the – I try and hurt someone in the nicest, safest way possible, and i got to sleep with that at night. And, yeah, that's that's what separates you really at the end. Well, I, I honestly think that there's there, – not, not to just break it down to money because I don't want to make it just about mm -hmm. money, but – there's so much more money in offering a quality service because people are going to be happier and they're going to come back more frequently. They're mm -hmm. going to bring their friends. They're going to they're going to advertise for you. If you do those cheap mm. piercings, admittedly, not everyone is going to have a problem, you know, but the ones who do yeah. have a problem, they're going to have significant problems, you know, and then maybe they're not going to trust you enough to come back. So uh, mm. putting in the work is definitely the best decision that I ever made because it was the same thing for me. I was piercing with who cares jewelry in a, in a who cares studio, you know, and I, I owned it, you know, and then mm. when I saw what else was out there, I put in the work and I, I could never go back. And, and now I get to give opportunities to other people. I can hire other piercers. I can hire other staff and I can, you know, give them access to their piercer dreams too. That's it. And you're just giving back. And that like little karma circle continues of, you know, this is what I did and therefore do better. Here's how you can do it better. I'll give you the keys. You run with it. You know, um, in the end, we're all just trying to leave this place a little bit better than when we started. And I feel like this is the kind of way to go to help the Aussie industry make that a bit better. And I hope that like once this is all done and um, I'm a 60-year-old lady that can't see anymore and got crushed up hands. I hope that someone else takes the reins and make it even easier for other people, you know? Like, uh, it's just passing that on so it just keeps evolving and getting better as it continues. It's disgustingly positive. I love it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know what? My, like, <laughs> stereotype, and then here we are being like, flowers and rainbows. Oh, damn I didn't get headbutted <laughs> once, and I'm disappointed. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, damn. So, if people want to, uh, if people want to find more information about the organization, where would they, where would they find that online? Oh, so you can go to the Facebook, which is Safe Piercing um, AU, and the website is www.safepiercing.org.au, and the Instagram is the same thing, Safe Piercing underscore AU. Um, and yeah, I'm more than happy as well to kind of discuss this further with anyone that wants to know how we did it and what we're doing. Like, I'm transparent as hell. If anyone wants access to that, I'm all for it as well. So don't hesitate to ask and drain my brain, really. That's fantastic. Well, I appreciate you making time for me, especially probably just getting home from, from the big meeting and being able to get back into work. So I appreciate you making the time for me. 
Oh, no, thank you. I appreciate you and everything you're doing here just by having these discussions and these topics. Like everyone's brains are filling up and getting better. So you're doing exactly what we're all doing here and giving back, and it's just magic. Thank you. I love piercing. Yay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, uh, I look forward to, you know, keep in I'm going to keep in touch with you and get some updates uh, as the, the organization grows. And maybe I can try to get over to Australia someday. Please. Yes. Yes. And we can take you to all the wrestling that you want to see over here. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm yeah. in. You sold me. As long as just keep the spiders away from me if you can. I can't do that. They're our pets. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks well, for talking to me. Oh, thank you. It was wonderful. Are you Are you working today? Oh no! I literally, okay, when good. I spoke to you last night, I'd just gotten home at midnight. It was midnight when I spoke to you, and I was like, I need to sleep and get straight up and do this. I just needed to sleep in between. Right. Um, so today I won't be. I will just be doing nothing and just being a human today. <laughs> Excellent. You definitely earned it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day. Thank you, Ryan. I hope you have a great day too. And I can't wait to hear how it all comes out. And yeah, all let right. us know if you want to know anything about coming over as well, though. We're more than happy to help anytime, any point. You just say the word. Absolutely. Word. I, I'm, I'm going to send you some messages about that and we can make that happen. Yes, please. Cool. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right, my dude. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. All right, thanks for talking to me, Kyla. You know, I appreciate it. And definitely keep me updated on what's going on in Australia. I love to hear about that progress. For other piercers out there, if you're looking for some progress in your own career, one way you can do that is by coming out to the APP conference in Las Vegas next summer. And if you're having a little bit of difficulty getting there on your own, keep in mind that there are lots of scholarships available, and those applications are open right now. So go to safepiercing.org, follow the links to conference info, scholarship info, uh, not only do we have the official APP scholarship, the Al D. Sowers Memorial Scholarship, but there are also piercer-funded scholarship options too. You have the Piercers of Color Scholarship, you have the No Excuses Scholarship, and I'm pretty sure Piercer Babes is doing a scholarship this year too. So go to safepiercing.org, get all the info there, and get your applications in. Uh, you do not have to be an APP member to win one of these scholarships. You do not have to be an APP member to attend conference in general. This stuff is open to any professional piercer, and we want to get all of you there. So if you're an international piercer, you know, maybe it's it's difficult for you to get over there with flights and different expenses. If you're one of those Australian piercers trying to push yourself forward, submit an application. You know, if you're in Central or South America, if you're in the UK, if you're in Africa or Europe or Scandinavia or Asia, get those applications in. We love to have international applicants. We love to have international attendees and scholars, and we want to get as many piercers there as possible. But again, you can't win one of these scholarships if you don't apply. So definitely go to the website, get that info, take some time and submit a strong application. For those piercers out there who are already APP members, keep in mind that the APP Board of Directors election is going to be coming up very shortly, so keep an eye on your emails. Really quick and easy to vote. Only takes you about 30 seconds start to finish. You open your email, you log into MemberLeap, you vote for whoever you think is going to be the best candidate for you. And that's all there is to it. You know, if you want to keep the APP strong, that's one of the best ways. You vote for a good, strong board of directors. I know there are a lot of quality people running this year. One of them was my guest last week, William Barron. A lot of other awesome piercers out there running for it also. So you can get information from them. Go to those APP member forums on Facebook, read what they're posting, uh, listen about you know what kind of experience do they have with volunteering inside and outside of the APP what kind of ideas do they have for the APP what do they want to get done and how are they gonna do it uh, listen to that info and cast your vote for whoever you think shares your ideals one more reminder I've got those two classes open for registration right now I've got Monday January 20th in Phoenix Arizona and I've got Monday February 24th in Concord California you can go ahead and email me at ryanpba at gmail.com I can get you set up for either of those and I'm gonna be back next week with another interview thanks for listening for more information about the show visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like piercing wizard podcast on Facebook for more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. 